Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Before we start, I just want to thank a few of our sponsors. We have Ancient Boots. Um, how you spell it is A-N-X-Y-N-T. They're a, a sneaky boot. I used it all last year on the archery hunt, and I really liked them. I'm going to use them this year again. We also have uh, Scree Gear. I used their camouflage last year as well. Really like the stuff. I used it even before we got the sponsorship, and um, I've, I've liked it for the last, I think I've used it three or four years, and it's been awesome. And then last but not least, I just want to thank Scout to Hunt. It's the free Western hunting app. Um, you can download offline maps and do a bunch of different stuff. Uh, so I, if you haven't yet, I would definitely check it out, especially this for this uh, coming scouting season. It could be very useful. Anyways, let's go ahead and get into the podcast. Thanks again for hey listening guys, to the podcast. To of the Dirty if you guys enjoy podcast. the podcast, it would really, really help if you guys left a review on whatever platform you're listening the faith, to the uh, guide service on. from New Mexico. Anyways, we'll talk to you guys next I've time. Talking to him a lot Thanks over again for Instagram listening to the podcast. If you guys enjoy the podcast, it would really help if you guys left a review on whatever platform you're listening to the podcast on. Yeah, man. Anyways, we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. If you guys enjoy the podcast, it would really help if you guys left a review on whatever platform you're listening to the podcast on. Anyways, we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. If you guys enjoy the podcast, it would really help if you guys left a review on whatever platform you're listening to the podcast on. Anyways, we'll talk to you guys next time. Yeah, that's our my YouTube handle for the guide service, and there's a number of different videos on there i think we uh, we probably have 30 or 40 maybe on there i think so some of our hunts are on there and then scouting and some highlight videos so yeah got a couple youtube videos you like yeah you've got some good ones on there and then we'll tell a few stories about actually some of the videos you have on there so it'll be fun to kind of hear the story and then the listeners can go onto your youtube channel too to kind of see uh, a live video of the hunt as well. So, um, but before we get on to uh, your stories, I just kind of wanted to know, like, I guess, like where you grew up and how you got started in hunting and what made you fall in love with it. Yeah. So um, let's see. I probably started hunting with dad, my dad officially, probably when I was about six, six or seven years old. So um, I'll be 30 this year. And so that gives me probably oh, close to 25 years, I would say, of of just tagging along with dad. And um, I think, I don't know if it was just something that was, um, you know, God-given or what, but my love for hunting pretty much, it's just always been there for as long as I can remember it was you know always being outside and as soon as I could start uh, putting in for tags and get a gun in my hand or a bow oh man as soon as I could I I did and we were out there as much as we can as I could be you know um I grew up here in uh Farmington New Mexico which is right up in like the northwest corner of New Mexico, if you're familiar with uh, the Unit 2 in New Mexico for deer, 2C, 2B, uh, 2A, that's right out my back door, so 
born and raised here. Um, I'm a lifer, and then after I got married, I moved 15 minutes east uh, to Bloomfield, so got a little bit closer to the units, 15 minutes closer. So <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. So That's you're kind of right in big buck country right there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, been very fortunate um, just to have uh, those units right out the back door and, you know, just spending time scouting out there, you know, every month or video on bucks in the rut, you know, setting cameras, that type of deal, so. Right. Yeah. Okay, sweet. So but, what's, uh, do you have like kind of like, what's your first memory of, of hunting? Do you have like kind of a memory that you're just like, oh yeah, this is what I love to do and I'm going to start uh, <laughs> the faith guide service <laughs> because this is just awesome or yeah i would say uh, some of my earliest memories actually uh, before i was able to go with my dad i would go with my grandpa actually and dad would, and all you know my uncles and cousins or whatever older cousins they would all go hunting and you know we, we would stay at camp of grandpa and you know we would get it go explore on our own and stuff and i think that kind of grew that um just wanted to be by myself and kind of do my own thing and um, that's kind of where it started those are some of my earliest memories and then as I got older um, you know some some of the hunts my dad went on oh man there's been a bunch Um, I would say probably a hunt that really that really got got my big muley uh, juices going I guess would be I think it was 2008 um 2007 no this was probably before that 2004 uh, my dad had a tag and we hunted 2c for deer and um it was the last day and we were both at the house in the morning we'd hunted the whole hunt and dad was like hey man it's the last day you know we, we gotta go and so it was like all right you know and it was a sunday and Sundays have always been really lucky for me, my dad, and for myself. And uh-huh. we go out and um, pull up to the glassing spot, get our binos out, optics out, start glassing, and immediately we pick up two bucks right below us. And uh, there was a big deer that we had seen mm, three years prior. He's just a solid 180 deer, and the three years prior he was probably like a high 90s deer, and so. You know, we were familiar with them and stuff, and we found them, and we actually ended up, my dad ended up killing them and stuff. And on that particular hunt, um, you know, we, dad smashes the buck, and we go down there, and, you know, we're high-fiving and stuff. And it was like, man, that's why we always got to keep the faith, man. And we were, you know, just going crazy, and we kept uh-huh. saying that. That's why you got to keep the faith, man. And, you know, we were just pumped, and I think – that particular hunt and along with a couple others is what was what keep the faith grew out of pretty much and it was kind of like as we got older as i got older and it's like man you know i kind of want to guide and i kind of want to you know take other hunters and i love taking my family and you know i've been very fortunate and blessed to have a big family that's uh let me practice guiding on them you know, whenever I was yeah. still in high school and stuff. Yeah. 
so yeah, that's kind of where Keep the Faith came from. And then, you know, of course, I'm a Christian and stuff. And so, of course, you know, Keep the Faith in God and stuff is another part of that that, that uh, you know, we, we kind of I kind of play on and stuff that, you know, God God's going to help us there too. So, yeah. Right. Kind of yeah. where Keep the Faith Guide Service came from. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool you have the, the story that kind of goes with it too. So is yep. is that something you started or is that a family uh thing? Yeah, so that's something that I I started personally um mm-hmm. in two thousand seventeen. Um I was just getting out of college and stuff and kinda wanted to start doing my own thing as far as guiding stuff and um that's when I became a guide slash outfitter on the Navajo and um, okay. started to keep the faith guide services and started taking clients and stuff and yeah that's that's when it started so we've been at it for four years now so that's awesome you still like it you still like doing it oh of course man (laughs) um i love it um it's kind of funny you talk about memories some of my earliest other earliest memories is you know watching the Primo's truth hunting videos <laughs> you're talking uh-huh. you know the truth one two and three and you got the primo boys on there and they're you know getting guided and stuff by people and i grew up watching all those videos and i think that was was something i for whatever reason i guess it's just got given that it's just something that i love to do and i almost love you know taking other people and clients way more than than myself it's just something that, you know, serving people and stuff is just something that I love. And still to this day, if I, anybody draws a tag that I know or clients, whatever, I'm super pumped, super pumped. And, of course, there's bad days and there's good days, just like everything. But there's definitely way more good days than there is bad days, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So what you said you'd guide the Navajo. um reservation but you also guide the the state side in new mexico too right yeah that's correct um i'm just a guide on the on the state side so i just work for a number of different outfitters um okay some of the some of the outfitters i have worked for i started out working with uh largo canyon outfitters and then I've got it for uh, 505 Outfitters, um, Hampton Trophy Outfitters. Uh, those are some of the ones that I've worked for before. And, um, so whenever they need me and I'm free, I'll definitely jump on a stateside hunt, um, especially if it's right here in, the, in my backyard. I'll jump on there too. So Okay. That's sweet. So, so you you do both sides like you said, and then so are you mainly just doing those uh, trophy hunts on the on the Navajo Nation on the reservation? Well, yeah, we'll pretty much we'll pretty much do any tag. Uh, I think we've had six six general elk hunters, um, a couple general deer tags, and then we had a couple um, trophy trophy hunters. The one that we had last year was. Uh, we guided the one and only um, trophy archery tag. It's a late archery tag um, on the res, and we got an opportunity to guide the client last year. Had a lot of a lot of fun. Came was close that to killing a really big deer, but didn't happen. So 
Oh, man. So uh, tell me a little bit more about those trophy hunts on the res. Like, are those pretty quality hunts? Like, what what kind of deer are you hunting, and what's that pressure like? Because I know there's kind of a lot of money involved, isn't there, for people, for the uh, non, non-natives that draw that trophy hunt? Yeah, so those... Um... Those tags are usually, um, the rifle tags and the archery tag, they're usually rut hunts. So you're talking somewhere in the month of December or the whole month of December. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's a couple uh, reservation-wide tags that, that start in September and run all the way through January, and those are res-wide tags. But um, some of the deer that we hunted this past year, uh, I would say an average probably – between like 175 and 185 that's kind of the the number of of bucks as far as um you know size that we saw and then we ended up turning up uh a a deer he's probably like 190 and then we ended up turning up the buck that we that we try to kill um he's probably i think we had him going like 203 to 205 uh, just kind of depending on a couple small kickers that we were thinking that he might have and uh-huh. um once we found him we kind of went all in on him and we hunted him um, a number of days and we actually you know didn't end up going back and looking for a couple other bucks that i'd found and we you know the hunter pretty much just wanted to stick on that deer and we did and we got close um but it just didn't work out with the archery gear sometimes it, it does like that so yeah how close did you get like were you guys on him on him like were you oh yeah yeah Yeah. we actually yeah you know this particular hunt and the hunter you're talking pressure and stuff you know because you are saying yeah there is a little bit of money involved and stuff but um I've, i've been really blessed this particular hunter was super great guy super awesome he just you know he wanted to experience the hunt he wanted to experience the the Navajo Nation and stuff, and so really there, honestly, there really wasn't a lot of uh, pressure going into the hunt and mm-hmm. getting able, you know, being able to guide him. But um, super nice guy. I um, ended up finding this buck um, in a snowstorm. Uh, we glassed him actually from the road. I think he was a hundred and like eighty yards off the road, uh, bedded right next to a hot doe and he wasn't leaving her side and he didn't give two craps about us and super heavy snowstorm going down um we roll up see the buck say yep that's him and tell the hunter all right tuck and tuck and roll out outside the truck and i'm going to keep driving over the hill and so he did and there was one tree in between that big deer and where we got out of the truck and Uh I kept driving Hunter walks up to that particular tree and peeks around all right 70 yards I'm doing it you know dialed in I'm going to take this take the shot Buck's not even you know paying attention and he's on his knees he draws sidesteps two two times on his knees and between that big buck and the tree there was a 
a big fork he actually that was laying between the hunter and the deer and oh. as soon as he side stepped between on the side of that tree the turn you know turned settled his pin on and right right when he settled his pin on he said oh, the little buck in between them just had enough of his movement and he jumped and ran straight at that big deer and um you know of course then the big deer jumped up and that was about it for that whole setup but <laughs> like see, if that little buck wouldn't have been there i mean we would have smoked him we would have yeah. been all over him for sure all that's sweet that. so you guys were close that's that's freaking oh, fun yeah, yeah so, and we enjoyed it it was a good time what's what's the biggest deer you've pulled off of the um off of the navajo reservation like either with, by you taking it or you guiding, like what's, I guess, what's the biggest scoring deer you've taken off of there? I think um, my dad shot a double dropper buck. This is a number of years back. And I think that deer was like 194 is I think Jeez. what that deer ended up scoring. Um, so that's been the biggest deer. We've seen some, seen some giants, seen some uh, hunting the early archery hunts seen some big deer that probably you know will go 210-ish to 214 um oh, there's wow. two particular two particular ones we hunted um tried to kill them tried to kill them a bunch of times but country they were living in just uh super thick and personally the the biggest deer that i've killed was uh my archery buck that is just a solid 180 um a couple of years ago two years ago so personally that's um the biggest that i've killed but Let, let's hear that big story deer. real quick let's hear the, your uh 2019 archery story yeah well did you know about drawing... that oh yeah go ahead sorry <laughs> yeah so, so we ended up drawing the tag um in a unit that's kind of close to my house so um i had some time quite a bit of time um, in the summer, they run a bunch of trail cameras, um, really try to zero in on the bucks that I tried to want to kill. And um, there's a particular area, um, I had a camera, a camera there, and I got a, a big 3x4, um, probably like, I would say he's like a, a 180-ish type, type 3x4, just really big, tall, yeah. and... Uh, really liked that deer and we kind of I kind of settled on on that deer to hunt and so I was like all right you know that's where he's where he's at and where we kind of patterned him that's where I'm going to be opening day and so we roll up to the spot and uh <clears throat> me and dad get out of the truck and set up the binos and start glassing and it was probably 10 seconds I pan through a stage flat and I see the buck that I ended up killing he was leaving the sage flat headed up to to this you know kind of cliffed out little area and it's like pulled that i said man he's got he's got pretty good back ends i said i don't think that's three by four but i think that's a different buck because like he he's just as big and i was like we need i need to kill him for sure and so i was right at sunrise we watched that buck within 10 minutes he was up in his spot perched you know, right up against the cliff facing directly at us, and um, he was bedded. So we kind of, like, all right, we kind of see where he's at, and, like, 
you know, we looked at some onyx and kind of saw how the, the rock formations were and stuff and above them and how the edge kind of walked and stuff. And I was like, all right, I think, mm-hmm. I think if I can get, get to this point behind this bush right here, I should have like an 80 yard shot and, you know, we'll just kind of whistle and get them to stand up and, and uh, I'll thread a needle in there and it's like, okay. And so I get up there, get to that bush and before I could get to that bush to look over, I was right on the back side of it and before I looked over, Dad calls me and he's like, He's up, he's up and he's looking right at you and I buck I guess he just knew I was there or heard me or smelt me or something and so I crawl out to the edge and just with one eye pretty much was looking over the edge and I range find him <laughs> sideways and he's eighty four yards and I was like, Oh man, okay grab my bow, lean back, grab my bow, knock an arrow when I'm on my knees, lean back pretty much and draw my bow and lean forward right over the edge. And as soon as I kind of crested the edge, he like he was gone. He, he just pinwheeled yeah. and he ran out to 110 yards and stopped. And uh-huh. I was trying to dial my sight and was like you know letting down trying to dial and was trying to redraw get on him and he actually ended up taking off and luckily i'd i'd had dad spotting for me and so dad watched him and he probably ran about a quarter mile and he actually ended up bedding down and dad had eyes on him still and so came down from there went back to the truck figured out where he was you know put eyes on him and like all right well that didn't work so let's try it again and you know we're sitting there game planning i was like you know dad we you know got to keep the faith on this let's go get this deer and it's like okay <laughs> so circle around come in on top of them um was thinking it was going to be about 60 yards and ended up coming on top of them and the tree that he was bedded in front of was uh, 50 yards and so like all right he's bedded there i know he's bedded dad's down there he's sending me pictures you're right above him you know you look good man oh he's got he just got to get up and walk from behind that tree and you'll smoke him and so i sat there and sat there and new mexico in september it's still like 90 degrees it was actually <laughs> yeah. 90, 91 and sitting Jeez. there just baking in in the sun wide open on that cliff and so about two hours later, he still hadn't got up, and I told Dad, I was like, man, I was like, we got to, you know, let's let's try to make something happen here. And so Dad's like, all right, well, I'll just honk a couple times. And it's like, all right. And Dad was sitting at the truck and glassing and kind of honks a couple times. And no, nah, nothing, man, nothing. <laughs> Buck's just laying there, honks a couple more times, and it's like, no, he's not moving, man. He's just he's just looking at me, and Buck really didn't have any, you know, any reason to get up, and so I'm still sitting there, and Dad's like, like uh, I'm gonna, you know, get get in the back of the truck or whatever, and and uh, see if I can, you know, just kind of get a different angle or whatever, and just see if there's another, you know, look to the right and stuff, and uh-huh. see if there's another way you can get in on that deer, and so like, all right, so he kind of gets elevated, and between 
him saying that and getting in the back of the truck, the the deer actually got up, and he wasn't even looking at the deer when when the buck got up. <laughs> Before, so how close are you when he stands up? So I'm, yeah, I'm still the 50 yards right above okay. him, and I had been sitting there for two hours, and so I had literally ranged every square inch of everything <laughs> yeah. around him, and so I knew. Okay, if he comes here, he's 50. If he goes there, he's 60. If he goes here, he's going to be 48. If he comes, you know, this way, he's going to be 45. And so I was like, like, all right. So the buck actually got up, walked around the tree, and was standing broadside um, looking to my left. And it's like, all right, here's my shot. Like, that's about 45 if he walked back to the tree. It's like, all right. Drew back, settled in pulled through release and I see my arrow just go straight over his back just straight over his back and it was like oh no so he jumped he took two jumps and he stopped and the next spot that he stopped I knew it was 54 54 yards and so Uh I knocked another arrow and he's facing to the right now broadside and uh due to my my elevation whenever I shot the arrow went uh between his spine in his shoulder and actually came out below his opposite shoulder so it pretty much just drilled drilled his heart like right there where it needed to be yeah and it went all the way through him and he probably went 40 yards and i watched him fall down (laughs) so i get on the radio and the phone and it's like dad i was like he's dead dude he's dead and dad's like he's dead it's like what happened? I was like, I was like, he's like, where's he at? And I was like, he's like 40 yards right there, like just <laughs> off of where he was bedded. He's like, I was like, he's dead. And I was like, man, I didn't even get to see the shot of him. You know, and it's like, <laughs> it was kind of a, a dad's bad luck of changing spots and that butt getting up then, but it all happened so fast. And that was a yeah. shot that I had. So I had to take it for sure. And then that that hunt is also on your YouTube channel. I, I actually just watched it right before the podcast. So Sweet. if uh, yeah. you want to uh, listen, uh, well, you guys heard the story here, so go go watch the video. It's actually really cool, and then you can kind of see the buck alive and stuff. It, it's pretty neat. Yep, pretty sure. Yeah, we had a little bit of film to put together there and kind of just put a little little short clip there together so it turned out good yeah i i I enjoyed it i thought it was pretty cool so um so you killed that buck and then before we kind of talked about that story you talked about uh like on a different archery hunt you had like a 210 inch buck whatever that lived in the thick so i i kind of want to maybe hear like a story of like your favorite buck you've chased maybe if it whether you killed it or it got away like, do you have a story like that? Um, let's see. There was a a deer. I had a muzzleloader tag in in New Mexico, um, and I drew drew the tag. Um, this was right when I was beginning hunting, um, and um particular buck that we had scouted and we'd found um was a really good deer uh, just not a good scoring deer as far as mm-hmm. high scoring but just gnarly and and old and stuff and uh, we'd scouted and 
I had started off um, with that. That was actually probably one of my first uh, muzzleloader tags that I ever had and scouted, um, went out with the family and um, knew this buck was there in a particular area and we ran a push and this uh, buck came out. Um, I don't think it was actually, it was a different deer um, than the one we had scouted for. Uh-huh. But um, this buck comes out, and I'm 14 years old, shaking, <laughs> trying to shoot shoot a muzzleloader, a 50 cal muzzleloader with a you know a little three to six scope on it, and, and buck comes out, um, ended up shooting, and I actually hit that buck high, and um, I mean, talk about ones that got away. Um, that was one of the bucks that we tracked for for that whole day, and that buck never even never even slowed down. Um, he just covered country, had a couple specks of blood every couple miles, and you know, we never never could catch up to that deer. Um, and that was that's probably still one of the hunts that still kind of sticks in my mind about about the buck getting away i'd say yeah it's probably that particular hunt and that was a fun hunt you know guys share with the family and stuff but uh yeah that's one that i wish we could have got wish we could have got that deer for sure um so so knowing what you know now like your hunting knowledge and stuff is there is there anything you would have done different on that on that deer that maybe would have helped you uh i guess recover it or kill it glass yep i think as i got older as i've hunted more um great optics and you know of course optics have came a long way in the last 15 to 20 years but mm-hmm. i would say yeah definitely now uh, sit in glass uh, if we could have glass we probably or if we would have glass before you ran that push we we probably would have seen that deer and we probably could actually you know snuck in on them versus running out or running shot but i would say glass 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 that's one thing at least in this country where i live that that uh looking back on it now that i would say oh man if we had that tag now for sure we would glass glass first before you run a push for sure yeah that makes sense and you're and then you're hunting a uh a buck that doesn't necessarily know you're there instead of a buck that's startled yep Yep, definitely, and just being patient, a little bit more patient with stuff, and you know, letting the the buck come to you versus trying to make something happen. Sometimes it's something I've learned over the years too. So. Yeah. So kind of going with that, um, when when you take hunters, or even just like with yourself, what what do you feel like is most um, like important when like you're preparing for a hunt? Or like what what do you find that hunters often overlook? Oh man, I would say spending time in the units you're gonna try to hunt or you're gonna try to draw tags in and just spending mm-hmm. as much time as you can in those units. And I'm talking like picking up sheds in March and April, picking up sheds in May setting cameras you know may june july august and even if you don't have a tag you know i'm trying to get out there in september um try to be out there in october 
and especially try to be out there during the rut, you know, and take inventory of bucks that that uh, that you don't see, you know, at normal times of the year rather than, you know, just during the rut. And I would say that's something that um, sometimes people and myself that I've learned is, is it just takes a it takes time it takes a lot of time and just being out there in person and seeing how stuff goes even if you know you're looking at something like going man there's probably not any deer there but making yourself go and take the time you know to walk a particular mesa or walk a particular bowl and walk a particular canyon and you mm-hmm. know and just learn the country learn the way that it goes and take that just being out there spending all that time i mean you learn learn the way of the land you learn kind of how animals like to go you learn escape routes you learn you know predators in the area you learn water sources that type of deal and i think that all that all just uh goes into preparation for the hunt and so whenever you do draw that tag um you know for yourself or for a client it's it's just like you're in your own bedroom or in your own house you know you you know, you know the roads. You know the glassing spots. You know, you know where they like to bed. You, you pretty much know everything, you know that you can, and and still having that that mindset that you don't know everything, and still wanting to get out there, you know, and not being satisfied with just uh, you know learning certain things, but always wanting wanting to learn more. So yeah that's how i would that's that's a lot how i how i prepare for a lot of my hunts you just spend a lot of time out there a lot of time in the hills yeah that makes a lot of sense i mean the more more time you spend out there the more the more you learn is there one uh like particular piece of information that when you're out there if you, if you get like you're like okay like we can kill this buck whether it be like you pick up his sheds or you get a trail cam picture of him watering, or you find tracks in a desolate area. Is there like one particular piece of information that's just like, oh, okay, we can we can kill this deer, or is it just a mix of a bunch of things? I would say it's a a mix of a bunch of things. I mean, of course, if you're getting them on trail cameras and you kind of have them patterned, and then you kind of um, understand, you know, where they're going to feed, where they're going on the water um, that type of deal um, in these particular units here by by my house it's it's a big oil fill area and so there's mm-hmm. there's quite a few roads and stuff um and if you know you're going in that area and yeah we're, we're getting them on trail camera we're getting them on you know uh, feed trail cameras that type of deal and um you know we we saw them in this particular area in july and august and um, you know, we know we're going to be able to glass from this area to find them. And I think just being confident in, in everything in your knowledge and just having that confidence that whenever you go, you go out and if you do run across, you know, his, his track or something across the road, or if you do catch him somewhere in a, in a glassable spot that, you know, I think that's when you know, like, oh yeah, we've spent enough time here. We know where he's going. We know, you know, we were setting trail cameras in here, and we we bumped him, and he ran out this way. He's in mm-hmm. this particular. He's on this particular bench where we got our camera. If we bump him, more than likely, he's probably going to run that same route. So, you know, getting hunters set up and positioned in the right areas, and if you get in that position and just being confident, yeah, I think a lot of times your chips 
you chips line up for you and and you can kill a deer like that so yeah yeah, yeah no that makes sense sweet so uh before i want to hear your 2020 muzzleloader story but before we kind of get into deer again maybe would you just maybe give like a brief uh i guess rundown of uh northern new mexico elk kind of i guess expectations i know you said you've guided a couple hunts on that so i was just wondering your thoughts and stuff on those hunts yeah for stateside um this is just my opinion um you got like the the units that are a little bit more east of us like the trauma units um they're they're a little bit more uh east and the sergeants and um, the Humphreys, that type of deal, and northeast uh, to central New Mexico, and I feel like you know those units over there, you could you know per, your chances of shooting, let's just say maybe 320 to 345 bull, um, you know they're they're pretty good I would say if you draw the the right tag and the right hunt, um, I'm sure there's guys that kill bigger and there's, there's probably guys that kill. They kill smaller than that, um, mm-hmm. but in my opinion, that's kind of um, your expectation going in those hunts. And then you kind of move a little bit more west um, toward my area, and I'd say the units around here, um, stateside, you're probably looking um, like, on average, I'd say probably like a 280 to to 310, and you know you might be able to to break into like a 315 you know maybe a 320 or something but um the genetics that's just how they are here you know you don't you don't get you know those crazy big old long beams and big old long times like you see you know down the gila or you know southern new mexico um just genetics just a little bit different up here and that's kind of how those the bulls around here and um this part of the state northern uh kind of your expectations i would say so what about opportunity tags yeah that's what i was gonna ask like as far as like elk number wise um like obviously like you said the genetics aren't there but are uh as far as numbers are are they pretty good or are there pretty not that many elk um i would just say it's it's probably just just an average general unit type type uh units that that we hunt mm-hmm. they you know they're not going to be the the trophy style where you're you know hunting 20 bulls a day or you know you're chasing yeah six or seven different bugles in the morning that type of doe no it's it's kind of i would say just your general tag if you spend a lot of time and you scout and stuff you can turn up a a, a good bull you know but around that 300 inch inch mark but as far as numbers go it's it's probably just your your average, um, you know, 20 yeah. up a day or whatever, 15 some days, five some days, you know, you might see 31 day, that type of builds. Just kind of around that gives it an average unit type deal. So, Sweet. Well, let's move on from elk. Um, let's uh, yeah. talk about your archery real quick. Um, so you're a field staff at B3 Archery. Is that That's correct, right? Yep, B3 Archery, yep. Um, been on with them for a couple of years now and um they got some great products and they're really growing as a company. Um a lot a lot 
a lot of guys um, become more familiar with them. Um, kind of a newer, newer start, um, but they make everything in USA right there and in Kentucky, I believe, and um, just do a great, great job. And um, some of their products that I use particularly um, is the Exact Competition Hunter. It's a slider. Um, I think I got uh, the. That's an archery site, right? Yep, it's an archery yeah. site. Yep. And uh, super smooth, super awesome site. I I would push it for anybody. Um, I think I have mine set at like 20 to 60, and then my my slide goes to 110, I think. So okay, um, they got great products, and I also shoot their B3, um, their Ghost release. It's a back tension release, and switched to that a couple of years ago um, the back tension from the trigger release and really love their back tension stuff um, they came out with some new products this year um, some just improvements on their back tension release um, the particular the ghosts I use and just some easy to make micro adjustments and that type of deal but do you feel like I've been that, really impressed that back tension release do you feel like that improved your accuracy it did, man. Um, switched to that and um, kind of give a shout out to my buddy, one of my good buddies, Brian. He he shoots for PSC and um, mm-hmm. he lives here. And he's like, man, you got to you need to switch to switch to a back tension man. And it's like, no, nah, no, nah, you know, I, I'm 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 on my trigger. You know, I I've been using this for ten years, type deal, and. Like, yeah. No, no. And it's like I don't want to switch, and he's like, I'm just telling you, man, it'll make you a more confident shooter. So, ended up switching, switched to that back tension. Um, one thing that I think that I've learned using the back tension is it slowed my shot down, and it's made me focus where all I do is focus on the target, pick my spot hold on my target, you know, just focus on that spot and my body just does what it does with with my release now. And whereas the trigger, I think before, you know, you're kind of thinking, all right, I need to pull the trigger, that type of deal. You kind of maybe get a little target panic in there, you know, and uh-huh. it's like, uh, my pin's there, okay, it's on the spot, okay, pulling. And I think with, with the back tension, it's just slowed that whole process down. And it's just got... Okay. Of course, you got to shoot it a lot. You know, you can get used to it, but it's got where my body just is natural, and all I have to think about is just holding on that spot with my eye and, you know, picking my spot and just keeping that spot, and body does what it does. Yeah, that's sweet. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've always thought about shooting one and switching over, but <laughs> I haven't done yeah. it yet, so that, that's good to know that it, it helps improve your groups and stuff. Oh yeah, definitely makes me more more consistent and um yeah, it's a, it's a great product. I like shooting back tension. Sweet. All right. Well, before <laughs> I don't want to keep you too long, but I do want to hear your uh 2020 muzzleloader story. Yeah. Um man, it was a great great hunt. Um super blast pull up my draw results 
on Drawers all day in New Mexico and was like, there we go. That's the tag I wanted. <laughs> all right, it's game on. And my wife actually drew a rifle tag and a great unit too. And so we were both, you know, fist pumping and stuff. And we were uh-huh. like, all right, it's on. And so I think it was about a week later when set six cameras in the unit. Um, and the funny thing about this particular tag, I think I told my dad, my wife, and my brother and my uncle. So I think there was maybe my father-in-law. I think there was like five people that, that knew I had the tag. And, you know, before, you know, I've, I've drawn a tag or something, I've, you know, didn't really care who I told or whatever, you know. And so everybody in the family and the guides and around, the you know, town or whatever knew that I had a particular tag and this uh-huh. time I was like you know what I'm not I'm not gonna tell everybody I'm just gonna you know I want to enjoy the tag myself I just want to go and like do my own thing and find my own buck and just you know just go and enjoy the experience and so that's kind of how I approached the tag and it's like I knew it was going to take a lot of work I knew, I knew we were going to have to spend a lot of time in the unit um, but that's that's how I did and me and my dad and a lot a lot just by myself. We spent a lot of time um just glass in areas in the morning, first two hours of light, last hour of daylight, um, just glass in areas, finding bucks in the velvet. And um there was one buck, it was just a solid we we put him out like just a solid one eighty deer and main beams kinda of flared out a little bit and I was like, man, we, I just really liked the way that buck looked, and I was, I was like, man, if we can find that buck on opening day, we're gonna. I was like, I'll, I'll shoot him for sure. You know, I, I, I love something like that. It's just a cool buck to me, and I really liked the way he looked and stuff. And yeah, so um, go out, set up camp, get out uh, that morning, and get on the point where that buck had kind of been living below and we glassed and glassed and glassed and glassed and couldn't find him. We couldn't turn up him or his buddies um, or any of the other deer that we had found. It was super hot. The moon phase wasn't really good. And um, I think it went on with that for, it went on, I think four days like that. And, there was a couple of days we we only saw like three deer, three or four deer a day, and uh, it was the fifth day, and go to a different point, and it was actually the fourth evening. Actually, me and my uncle comes around, and we there was this particular point we won the glass, and so we get up there and start glassing and. Um, I was like, man, you ain't going to believe this. I was like, but I can see a couple deer, and I was like, they're probably, like, close to two miles. And <laughs> it's like, I can see I can see four deer in this particular area. And I was like, uh-huh. where, are those bu- where are those deer at? I was like, I bet you those are bucks. And so we get the spotter out, zoom in, and even through the spotter, like, in the low light, you could see rack and you could see forks and you could see deer, like, you know, antler and stuff. And, yeah, man, like, you just kind of make out. It was too grainy type deal. And, like, you could just make out that there was 
one of the bucks was was bigger than the other ones and you had a big front fork on one side and you could kind of kind of see that in his beam and stuff and i was like man like he he looks like a good deer from here and i was like there ain't no way we can get to him before before you know it gets dark and so we kind of you know saw the lay of the land and saw where those bucks were and like i bet you they were actually bedded down and i was like i bet you they're gonna get up you know go feed come right back up there and bed down where they where they were and so we put them to bed left came back the next morning um went to that point got up there started glassing started glassing and glassed and glassed and glassed and we never could pick up those bucks never could and i was like man i know they're there it's like it was just you know, you're looking at like seven hours ago, like, you know, they can't, can't, you know, gone that far. And so we got some more and we ended up seeing another buck in a completely different area. Okay. That wasn't him. He didn't have big forks, that type of deal. And the whole time I'm thinking, all right, this is probably that deer I, I got on camera cause it's in his general area. And I knew that buck moved around a lot and like, all mm-hmm. right, thinking it's this deer on the camera and, <clears throat> I told dad, I was like, you know what, we're going up. It's like, just try to get above them from where we seen them last night, and I'll walk the edge. And I'll just walk that edge real quiet, and I'll just peek over, you know, and see if I can see where they were bedded last night. Maybe they just moved, you know, and we can't see them because they're on the other side of a tree or something. And it's like, all right. And so we get up there. Dad goes across the canyon, glassing back. I'm walking the rim. And just happened to look in a shady spot 400 yards away and I could clearly see a big deer standing there in the shade and I was like oh there they are and got on the radio pulled out and said all right I got him man I was like you need to come over here to where I'm sitting right now and how close are you at this point so I'm 400 yards from the buck okay so you're still gonna have to get closer yep still gonna have to get closer so Uh dad comes around gets it right there meets me okay you see the buck yeah yeah we're good okay i'm on the spot you you go for it and so i took off my shoes and i knew i had to cover about 200 yards to get to about 200 to where i felt like if that buck was still standing there or was bedded or got up that i could shoot him from that particular area yeah so got there walked barefoot stepped on cactus and pineapple all that jazz had cactus all on my feet got to the where i wanted to shoot and dad still sees the buck he's like okay he's bedded he's right there he's below you slightly you're good man you're you're good just sneak out to this big dead tree that buck should be right there it should be like a hundred you know 40 yard shot or something and so like all right so between that when i got off the radio of dad and moving to that big tree dad called back on me and said he's up he's up he's up he's moving to your right he said if if you don't get off to that edge right now you're gonna you're gonna miss your shot opportunity and so i pretty much just tiptoed as fast as i could to the the dead tree got there and put my gun yeah. gun down just look and there's the deer standing broadside and was like all right i see him and got on him shot he actually dropped um i spined him i hit him high on that particular that first shot hit uh-huh. him high spined him and he actually dropped and he fell 
about 150 feet of just like downhill, badland, rolling off sandstone, <laughs> that type of deal. If you watch the video on YouTube, you see him. He broke his main beam right below his eye guard. Um, yeah, it looked like a shed. Off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I get over there. I reload real quick, you know, muzzy, reload, skirt the edge a little bit more to where I could see him. And he was actually still alive. He he had his head still up. And so at that point, I was like, ah, oh, probably going to gonna shoot him again just to you know, finish it off. And, um, I think that second shot, the first shot was 140 yards or something like that. Uh huh. That second shot was probably around 90 and finished them off there. And, um, you know, of course it was from that whole time that I, that we saw him to when I killed him, it was probably about about five hours. And so, you know, of course your emotions are high and everything's, you know, all everything adrenaline finally comes down, and you realize, you know, we actually killed this deer that that we had found and and uh, and uh, wanted to kill. So it, was, it all came together, and got to share it with my dad, and and uh, yeah, it was just a really special hunt. It's probably definitely one of the top ones that I've ever been a part of for sure. Yeah, that was a pretty big deer too. That was and. That, that's a cool story that you were able to be there with your dad and then how it how it was a multi-day thing where you guys had to you found them the night before and oh yeah went and turned yep. them up again that that's pretty cool so yep for sure well, man. what did you what do you feel like you kind of learned from that hunt or what did that deer teach you that particular deer in that particular unit, um, I think on that hunt, I learned that, well, one, just keep keep the faith in yourself. Keep the confidence in yourself. You know, that deer taught me that, like, hey, man, like, I've been here. I've spent my time. I've put in my effort. I've set my cameras. I've learned the country. You know, I've learned the, the glassing spots. I've learned the land. I've looked at onyx. Uh-huh. Just keeping that that faith in yourself that like man you you can go do it and that some days it's not going to happen on the first four days that it might take four days you know before you turn that particular buck up and right and uh you know just being patient with yourself and then coming out of that hunt to something else is just just enjoy it and go out and enjoy the hunt and find find the deer that you want to kill and that doesn't have to be the to the 220 or the you know the 240 or the 200 even it whatever the deer the trophy that you find that you want to try and kill and you know make that your goal make that your trophy and don't let other people define you know what what their success is to your success and just go and enjoy it take it in take in every every moment of the hunt and you know make some great memories your family that's what i would say that deer taught me yeah, no, I think I think that's some good good advice too because I think it's so easy to get caught up in everything. Sometimes you forget to just you're having fun out there hunting. Right. So that's, yep. That's some good advice. But yeah, sweet. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to get on. Is, is there any uh, anything you want to share with the listeners before we hop off? Oh, I would just. Uh... 
I just want to thank you, man, for uh, giving me the opportunity and chatting about hunting. I love, I could do this all day, um, but thank you for giving me the opportunity to jump on your podcast. I really appreciate it. And uh, our handles, um, Instagram is KTF Guide Service. Um, check us out there. And Facebook, um, just Keep the Faith Guide Service. And then, of course, uh, YouTube is Keep the Faith Guide Service. And then uh, also our website is uh, keepthefaithguideservice.com. So <laughs> easy enough. Reach yeah. out. Yeah. If you want to hunt the hunt the state or hunt the res, um, you know, give us a call. Love the chat. We always always want to talk hunting with anybody. So yeah, we're always open to meeting new people. Sweet. Well, like I said, thanks again for getting on. And then. Some of the stories you told, like uh, like we talked about in the podcast, are on your YouTube channel. So I encourage the the listeners to go check those out. Uh, there's some cool videos on there. I, I spent a lot of time on your YouTube channel this this last week getting ready for our podcast. So you have some good stuff on there. Awesome, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you.